0: Welcome back to episode 90 of Sportspeak, part two of today's episode. I already talked to Raheel Jaswal about the MLB reaching their CBA deal and some of the trades in the NFL this past week. I'm Eddie Kaleggi. And I'm Tim Moore. We're joined now by John Boccio to talk some NBA action with just about six weeks left in the regular season. JB, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Well, of course, the big story, we're recording this Thursday night, so kind of at the same time as we get ready for the Nets and 76ers showdown, I was looking at Twitter uh, just a couple minutes ago, and Ben Simmons has already gotten quite the chorus of boos from Philadelphia. Unsurprisingly, he was even getting them this morning outside the hotel walking to the bus, so the Sixers fans aren't too happy with him. Honestly, I'm shocked that Steve Nash and Sean Marks have chosen to even send Ben Simmons into that situation when he can't even play. And he's just gonna be heckled for two and a half to three hours, especially when allegedly there are uh, rumors of mental health issues for Ben Simmons. Um, I'm kind of surprised that that happened but, and that he's there for this game, but I don't know. I mean, guess getting to expose to the crowd for the first time might be better than having to deal with it when he's actually going to be on the floor with them the next time they play Philly, especially if they match up in a playoff series, but let's talk about this trade. Of course, we've seen the Sixers playing really well. James Harden and Joel Embiid have fit so well together. And then on the other side for the Nets, it's a work in progress, but they're coming off of a strong game. Kyrie Irving with 50 points against the Charlotte Hornets, Kevin Durant is back from injury sometime soon Ben Simmons will be on the court, but Seth Curry and Andre Drummond have both looked really good. Do you think either of these teams can really contend for the Eastern Conference Championship, John?
1: Uh, you know, I think 100%. The Nets have been absolute; they haven't been phenomenal this season, but they've had their ups and downs. And now that Kevin Durant is finally back after that injury, he is going to massively help out this squad. And with vaccine mandates potentially uh, coming down a little bit in New York, uh, Kyrie is going to have a ton of opportunity to play in home games finally. And I think if Kyrie is playing in home games, the Nets will just be that much better. So I think hundred percent, the Nets have a huge shot at that conference title and the way that James Harden and the 76ers have just gelled so far has been immaculate. He's finally found a home. He's averaging about 25, 12 and seven on the 76ers. I mean, he's got the MVP or one of the MVPs down low and an incredible backcourt mate in Tyrese Maxey. So I think a hundred percent James Harden and the 76ers could go to a conference title. They could even be in the NBA finals. If everything goes right.
0: Yeah. uh, Harden and bead Tyrese Maxey have not lost a game together with all three of them on the floor. And I think, twice in a row they had all three of them scoring 20 plus points tim the nets are still i saw like in odds they're favored still the number two favorite to win the championship which is kind of mind-blowing because they're in ninth place in the eastern conference only behind the phoenix Suns in las vegas odds but uh of course we know what this team can do when they're healthy but as we all know that's the question and joe harris isn't even going to be there they already announced he's out for the rest of the season who knows when ben simmons is going to play and uh, you never know with kevin Durant getting up there in age Kyrie Irving still not cleared to play the home games and they are 33 and 33 so what do you think about their chances here going forwards to you know contend for an Eastern Conference title
2: well I mean let's be honest the one thing the Nets are going to have to do if they stay where they are right now is that they're going to have to play good basketball when it matters you're going to play against tough opponents that are going to be seated a lot higher come around the playoffs and you know he let's be honest it's been an underwhelming start for the year for the nets and you know they go through the whole trade process with james harden and so on but like we first reacted when this trade first happened eddie you know i felt like it wasn't a lose-lose and i still for the record don't feel like it, it, it was a lose for anyone you know the 76ers get a big, you know, a big shooter, that big guy that they need to perhaps carry them to an, uh, an Eastern Conference championship. And the Nets are still in a win-now situation. I mean, let's be honest. You don't know how much longer you will have Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant on that team for. And the fact that you could turn around, provide depth, which was the big conversation for this team moving forward, it, it is still a big perk for me. But the big thing as well for the Nets is this. It's still always the if. And that's what bugs me about the Nets more than more than ever. I have a lot of confidence in the 76ers that they'll be successful, but the Nets, it's, well, if Ben Simmons returns, if they stay healthy, for example, you mentioned Joe Harris and so on. And it's like, I'm just still worried that if Kevin Durant gets hurt again, if all these things, and if those ifs play out, the Nets will be successful. But again, I feel like this team is going to be a competitive playoff team but and by the way too i feel like we talk about this every year at least since the play-in tournaments become a thing but it feels like now at this point any team that secures a one seed i feel like still is never a favorite to win a championship and let's be honest this year the eastern conference has been completely balanced the fact that you're talking about a next team that isn't even inside the top six as a potential of winning an nba championship any other season would be considered mind blowing. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, you look at it right now, the Miami Heat are the one seed in the Eastern Conference. I think that to me, first off, that's something that we talked about all the big moves they made this past offseason. That to me, that's mind blowing that they sit in this position at the moment. But it's more the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, you're not really set and that Eastern Conference of who is that top team. And on the Western Conference, yeah, the Suns have kind of diversified themselves as the top team in the Western Conference. But I also do want to point out, this is the same team that's lost to some pretty good opponents this year in some big games. And a lot of their losses have come in big games. And that doesn't mean that come playoff time, they won't uh, overcome that and learn from that, especially being in the NBA Finals just a season ago. But the fact of the matter is, is that I don't really know still if the Suns can beat a Golden State Warriors I don't even know if they can beat the Jazz Jazz if I'm not mistaken have the season record on them this year and I'm not saying the Jazz are gonna make the NBA finals but the point is is that if these two happen to find each other in a series it's all about who you play when you play them and who's gonna be on the floor and you have to remember this one thing too every single year I know I mentioned a health factor for Brooklyn but every year for every team it feels like there's always an injury that happens in the playoffs it feels like that way. So my big thing in terms of Phoenix: can you be healthy and can you avoid the inevitable come the playoffs? If that's the case, I think the Suns go to another uh, go go to another NBA Finals. But on the Eastern Conference side, it is anyone's game. I'm confident in Philadelphia. I'm confident in Brooklyn. But I could say that about six other teams on the Eastern Conference side.
0: Yeah, and you know. It's funny how the Heat are the one seed, but in terms of odds, they're fifth in the Eastern Conference right now to win, to, to make it to the NBA Finals behind the Nets, behind the Bulls, behind the Bucks, and behind the Sixers. So they're still underrated as the number one team. You mentioned the injuries with Phoenix, of course, Chris Paul currently out with that finger injury. He's probably going to miss most of the remainder of the regular season. So uh, really not sure how healthy he's going to be. And also as he gets older, This does give him a little bit of a rest to rest those legs and, you know, with the minutes piling up, especially with the load he carried last season for this team. But you still have a lot of questions there, but let's talk about. Another team that's in the play-in position, John, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers, who just had arguably their most embarrassing loss of the season last night. And that's coming off of only a week and a half after they lost at home to the Pelicans in a nationally televised game by 30 points. They lose to the Rockets last night. LeBron James pulls a full Ben Simmons, passes up a potential game-winning layup to kick out to a terrible Carmelo Anthony shot, and then the Rockets put up 19 points in overtime and get the win by 10 points of the Lakers, Rockets' worst team in the NBA. 16 and 49 but they take care of the Lakers who aside from Anthony Davis being out are totally healthy so at this point with the Lakers do you think there is any chance that this team can go on any sort of a run here in the postseason since they do have LeBron James and Russell Westbrook or are they going to just be out right away in that play in tournament
1: now look the big question with the Lakers is how does Anthony Davis play when he comes back and although Anthony Davis didn't play incredible in his I can't even count 40 games this season. It seems like the man is always injured. If he can come back and play like he did in that 2020 season where LeBron and Anthony Davis were just unstoppable on that pick and roll. I think hundred percent. There's a shot of them going to of them making at least one series jump in that playoffs. But if Anthony Davis comes back and he is as met as he's been in these past few years, it is over. For the Los Angeles Lakers, Russell Westbrook was a horrible trade, and I am not afraid to say it. And I know it may not be an unpopular opinion at this point, but Russell Westbrook, it is an understatement to say that he has been awful. He does not gel with the Lakers on the court. The, everything just isn't there when Westbrook is handling the ball. And LeBron James just had 56 points. Against the Golden State Warriors, a 37-year-old dropping 56 is what he needs to do to get a six-point win. And I get it's the three-seeded Golden State Warriors, but come on. The Lakers need to be better than this. They are the biggest disappointment of this season by far. And they are 20% below their expected winnings this season at this point. It has been a god-awful season for such a hyped-up franchise. And... If everything doesn't go right, I see either a first-round exit or, dare I say, out in the play it.
0: This is what I'm thinking. I was talking about this on my college radio show the other day. You mentioned the LeBron James 56-point performance. We know LeBron James has those types of games in him, but... He can't string them together like he used to. For example, he had to sit out the game after the Warriors game against the San Antonio Spurs with knee soreness. And he explained how he didn't even know he didn't think he injured his knee. He was just dealing with some aches. And that's going to come when you're 37 years old and carrying the load like he is. But you need other players to step up. They only have... That's their only win since the All Star break. They're one in seven. The only win is the fifty six point performance. So we're at a point where LeBron James has to score fifty six points for the Lakers to win a game, and that's just, that's just impossible. So what I see right now is that they'll they'll get into the play in tournament. They'll hang around ninth or tenth in the West. I think they could get through the play-in to get into the actual playoffs because it's a one or two games that they'll have to play. And I think LeBron James will able to be able to piece it together enough. Maybe Russell Westbrook will contribute in some way. But LeBron James in a one or two-game stretch will be able to do that just like he did last year. But unfortunately, they're going to find themselves playing either the Phoenix Suns or the Golden State Warriors in a series where aside from maybe stealing one game in L.A., I don't think those series against either team, goes anywhere past five games, regardless of whether Chris Paul is healthy, regardless of whether Draymond Green is healthy for Golden State, because the Lakers simply do not have the talented roster that everybody thought they did, because bringing together a bunch of older players, sometimes that's a smart idea, bringing in a bunch of veterans, but these guys are simply too old, too far past their prime, And they don't seem to like each other. And obviously the relationship is even more strained with Russell Westbrook, the rumors that the Lakers wanted to trade him and that LeBron James wanted him out. So obviously it's not going to work. So I think that's the furthest they go. Tim, how's your feelings on that?
2: You know, I I was trying to hold back my laughter as much as I can, because I mean, J.B. described it perfectly. Let's just put it like that. The Lakers constantly cannot disappoint in being disappointing every single week, it feels like the Lakers progressively get worse and worse and worse. And you know what's funny? To me, I-, I view it this way we started Sportspeak all the way back to when the play-in tournament became a thing, right? You, you think about LeBron James for a minute. LeBron James loved the play-in tournament idea while they were inside the bubble. Turned around, he was anti-play-in tournament last year. I'm sure he's loving the play-in tournament idea this year all of a sudden. I remember because- when we had that episode when we were
0: both freaking out about how hypocritical he was when he got stuck in the play-in tournament.
2: I just think it's funny because now they sit in a play in tournament situation right now. And it's just funny because it goes back to LeBron James regarding flipping opinions and so on. And I look at the Lakers roster and I mean, yeah. They got Russell Westbrook this year, you know. They they, they finally did the stuff with Melo that we've been talking about for a while. But it's a lot of old veterans. It doesn't mean anything at this point. Yeah, you thought maybe Westbrook would be the littlest better, a uh, bit better than Dennis Schroeder with with his acquisition last season, but that didn't even level up the expectations. I mean the. For all health aside, I know LeBron, 37, getting older, he's going to get hurt. But they've played him for so many minutes that you have to think about that usage point throughout his career, even before he was in L.A. Anthony Davis, if he could stay healthy, yes, they could find ways to be productive. But the Lakers have so many problems with this team. Gaining all the way back to even before LeBron James became a Laker, the fact of the matter is that they need a whole change as an organization. And they need change to this team. They cannot be the, the, the winning era that we knew them back to be with Kobe Bryant. And this is no, for the record, no, no diss to LeBron James, but I know LeBron James, outside of one year of his his career, always made the playoffs and so on, is known to be a winner. But when it's all said and done, not even LeBron James could fix the Los Angeles Lakers and the downfall that they had after Kobe Bryant retired. And I view it as even towards the end of Kobe's career, for the record, not even Kobe could fix it. It's been a problem for a while, and the big thing is the Lakers just need to change their ways. I know they won a championship, but you can also say that championship was an asterisk mark where Mm -hmm. things were unexpected. So I I just view it as the Lakers need change. It's as simple as that, and it's not going to come this year. It's probably not going to come for another two, three years. It probably won't come until maybe LeBron James retires and his son's in the NBA. So I, I just view it as the Lakers big market team, everything else in LA all of a sudden looks a lot more shining and promising than the Lakers. And no one ever thought we'd be talking about that, but it's gotten to that point where there are constant disappointment week in, week out, and they're declining. And we're talking about, for example, the Golden State Warriors game where you win by six and LeBron James has practically one of the best nights of his career. When would the Lakers in the past ever, even back in their championship run, when would a Lakers team like that ever even be close? LeBron James found a way to carry the Cleveland Cavaliers only so far with even less depth, in my opinion. There's a lot more problems that have to be going on with the Lakers, which is which is the point. And yeah, health has a lot to do with it. But. The fact that there's no scheme, no guys can agree. They traded away all their depth pieces as it is. I, I mean, we're seeing the Bulls work, right? We're seeing the Pelicans at least show some promise. So there's got to be something here that they can do to change, but it's not going to be this season. And I have no expectation for the Lakers moving forward. And, and the one funniest one. thing that I
1: always see – oh, sorry. But the funniest thing that I always see in the standings is when the NBA posts okay, here's the playoff teams, here's the play-in teams, here's the worst teams. And you see that Western Conference, you see the Lakers right there as the 10th seed. And then you see at the 7th seed, the first team, the first franchise that you could possibly think of when you think of the word dysfunctional, the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are over 500, and the Lakers are struggling to get the 10th seed. It is a disappointment every single time they step on the floor.
0: And the fact that they're competing with this, the, the big celebrations we keep seeing with the Lakers, too, is when they beat the Sacramento Kings. I mean, you got to be able to beat those teams and you lose to the Rockets, you lose to San Antonio. I mean, you've, those are the teams in the bottom of the West that they need to beat up on. And two years ago, they did. And, you know, we don't need to turn this into a whole LeBron James bash fest because that's what Undisputed is for. But I do want to say one more thing because I was in Chicago the weekend that LeBron James tweeted about how the Lakers, the Rams, and the Dodgers should do a combination parade celebration for all three of their championships because the Rams had just won the Super Bowl. That's all fine and dandy for the Rams, but the Lakers won their championship two years ago in a bubble. Half the players that were on that team aren't even there anymore. And to make matters worse, he's tweeting about that when his own team is seven games under 500 and barely hanging on to a spot in a play-in tournament that he goes back and forth about whether or not he even likes. So that's about it with LeBron James. I will say, though, performance-wise, statistically, he's having a great year. And I mean, for a 37-year-old, it's unprecedented, but the Lakers are not giving him any help. And I will say, it's not all LeBron's fault and... They got to try to find some answers. And Russell Westbrook has just been an utter embarrassment. And one of my favorite things on Twitter now, after any Lakers game, is going to see all the lowlights that Russell Westbrook had posted all over Twitter by Rob Perez and everybody else when he's trying bank shots that hit off the top of the backboard. It's entertaining. It's entertaining. It surely is. But... Let's talk about a team that's doing much better in the Western Conference before we get to our last segment. The Memphis Grizzlies, who are the three seed right now, but there are a lot of people that have their doubts because this team certainly hasn't gone this deep in a long time really ever in this Grizzlies franchise. They've been one of the more dysfunctional franchises in the Western Conference. John Morant, a lot of people have him high up in their MVP list. Last week, I said I had him in fifth place. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of debate about can the Grizzlies make a deep run with a young team? So I'll pose that question to you, John. Do you think this team has any chance to really contend in the Western Conference and go deep in the playoffs?
1: I don't think it's a chance. I think it's a guarantee that they win at least two playoff series this year. I mean, John Morant is playing at an MVP level. And we always talk about that third year with point guards. And it is the third year with John Morant. He stepped into that top five MVP candidate, and he has got the supporting cast he has always wanted. Jonas Valanciunas has become an incredible move. Getting him off your roster, let him go to a different team, or rather, not getting him off your roster, acquiring Jonas Valanciunas has been incredible for this squad. And not only that, but you've got guys on your roster, like a Jaron Jackson jr. You've got Desmond Bain and Desmond and Desmond Bain was the steel of his draft class. He has been undoubtedly to me, the second best player on that Grizzlies team. He's shooting it phenomenally, phenomenally from beyond the arc. And Jaron Jackson jr. Has been absolutely incredible. He's never been known as a rebounder, but he's grabbing a couple of boards this season. He's, always been known as a three-point shooter and he's knocking them down this season. And those are the type of guys that the Grizzlies absolutely need to pair with a guy like John Morant and Derrick Rose, MVP things are going to go around constantly. And I don't know if I want to go that far just yet, because I feel like people are starting to forget the greatness of Derrick Rose in that season. But let me say John Morant is not too far off. And this team is playoff ready. Let me tell you, they are, won two games in the play-in last year. They claimed that seventh seed, and not only did they claim the seventh seed, they they stole two games in Utah Jazz's home in that playoff series. The Utah Jazz would end up winning, but... Two games in a season where John Morant wasn't as good as he is right now. Desmond Bain wasn't as good as he is right now. Jaron Jackson coming off an injury. The roster just not sculpted to the best of its abilities. Even Kyle Anderson, slow-mo, is playing incredible this season. There is no way you can understate how good the Memphis Grizzlies can be. And I think they are a top three team in the association right now.
0: Now, I got to follow up because you said they could win at least two playoff series. So you get past the one. Now they're the three seed. Suns are probably going to get the one seed. So you have them beating the Warriors in a second round series?
1: I think they can do it. The Warriors are an incredible team, and Draymond Green is that type of guy. I'm not even going to mention Steph Curry because we all know what Steph Curry can do. Draymond Green is that type of guy where he can win you a playoff series on his own. But I think if you match up the Memphis Grizzlies to the Golden State Warriors, The the Memphis Grizzlies, all in all, have the depth on them. Yes, the Golden State Warriors have an incredible bench squad, but that starting lineup is what's going to make the difference. John Morant can outmatch Steph Curry in a couple games. They can win one or two purely off of a John Morant masterclass. Jaron Jackson has gone out for 30 in big games this season. He's a guy that is used to the big stage. And Desmond Bain is always there when you need him. The 30th pick in the draft has been incredible for the Memphis Grizzlies squad. And Klay Thompson, all in all, has not been anything special. He hasn't been the guy that we know Klay Thompson to be, and I'm not faulting him for that. He's coming off two straight season-ending injuries. But, wow, the Memphis Grizzlies are absolutely insane. And if you match them up player against player, it may not look great, but the chemistry of that squad can win them two playoff series. And I think if you match them up with the Golden State Warriors, like they've done this season, they can beat them in four games.
0: So let's finish. We've been talking about John Morant and let's, make our MVP picks right now with six weeks left in the season now last week when I did a solo show I did my MVP listing I had DeMar DeRozan at the top and I mentioned how this list fluctuates and it will fluctuate week to week and since then the Chicago Bulls have taken a bit of a step back and the Bulls simply cannot beat teams that are in the top three of either conference against the Warriors the Suns the Grizzlies and then the Heat the Bucks and the Sixers they're 0-14 this season so they are they're, they're beating up on everybody else. They're winning the games they're supposed to win, and they've stole some games. They've beaten Brooklyn uh, once. They've beaten Cleveland a couple of times. They've beaten Boston. But they can't beat those top, top teams. DeMar DeRozan's having a great year, and I was very high on him last week. I think he's dropped down to number two. And I'd move back up to number one, the reigning MVP Nikola Jokic, just because of what he's done with Denver, especially with no Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr. That Nuggets team could be dangerous in the playoffs too if both of those players come back. Let's not forget the performance that Jamal Murray had in the bubble two years ago when he went toe-to-toe and put up 50 points in a playoff game against Donovan Mitchell. And Michael Porter Jr. has made positive strides throughout his NBA career so far. And this team has been settling in with just Jokic. Aaron Gordon has fit well with the team. Monte Morris has stepped up in a big way, filling in for Jamal Murray as the starting point guard. And, of course, Nikola Jokic is just such a rare talent being able to pass the ball so well and average eight assists a game as a center, not to mention that he's fourth in the NBA in scoring and in the top five in rebounding as well. So I've got Jokic right now overtaking DeMar DeRozan as my MVP. Tim, I'll go to you first. Who are you going with right now for MVP?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to have much to say in this regard. I'm going to have to agree. I think Jokic is going to be the MVP this year. I mean, the, the way I'm looking for Jokic, obviously he, this year really for the Denver Nuggets in general was a big proving ground. Obviously, you are know, you're, you're missing one of your big points producers. And, and let's be honest, the expectation – wasn't really much for Denver. I mean, we thought this team was going to be, you know, lingering around the playoffs. You know, we felt that they would make it ultimately, but we didn't really expect them to be doing so, so well. But yet Jokic just found a way to really carry them in, night in, night out. And honestly, I don't want to throw a player comparison, but he, he almost equates himself to a Ben Simmons that just can't dribble. And and what I say by that is he can – you know he could pass the ball, and mix up the offense well, and he's a powerhouse. And the big thing too is for me is he's a real good piece down low in terms of defense, uh, in terms of defense. And I think that overall as well goes very underrated in terms of his um of his playing ability. But for for me for Jokic, it's more of if you look at players this season that have been so successful all around the basketball. I really can't circle anyone else in my opinion, and maybe, John, you can correct me if you feel there's someone else, but I really feel that Jokic all-around has played the best game of anyone there is, and when we've talked about the MVP, if I'm being honest, the last few seasons, that aspect to me at least has gone a bit ignored, is that it hasn't been the best all-around basketball player. A lot of it's been offensive based, but yet we're not seeing that this year. And I feel that Jokic is definitely deserving has proven that not only can he keep a team that doesn't have all the pieces together in the conversation, but he's also proven that he's a lot better than what even maybe last year uh, had proven when he won MVP.
0: John, how about you? Who's your pick? It's three for three for Jokic.
1: And Tim, you mentioned bringing up anybody else. I am going to say that Embiid is number two on that list but Jokic right now is the MVP. His numbers are out of this world. And I was going to go on this whole rant about how Jokic has got every single piece of his game over Embiid, but I'm glad that we can all agree that Jokic is just phenomenal. His team, when he is off the court, is minus nine. And when he's on the court, they are plus eight. The impact that he makes on the Denver Nuggets roster is absolutely impeccable. And Nikola Jokic, although he may be the 5 or 6 seed and he'll teeter around there for the rest of the season most likely, there is no flaws in his game. His defense is extremely underrated at this point in his career. His offense is unstatably it's, – it's awesome. I, I'm speechless when I talk about the things that Nikola Jokic can do with the basketball. And nobody else is going to go out there like Nikola Jokic will and drop 49, 12, and 11 – in an overtime stunning comeback to win them the game. I don't think any other player in the NBA can do it like Jokic, and that's why I've got him going back-to-back right now.
0: Just over a month left in the NBA season. It'll be interesting to see how it all goes down as the playing tournament is just five weeks away. John Baccio, thanks so much for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm super glad I came. All right, well, that's going to just about wrap up our show. A thank you to John and Raheel Jaswal for joining us. Next week, it's all March Madness talk. Of course, the NCAA tournament getting started with the uh, first four games on Tuesday, and then the round of 64 kicks off Thursday. A reminder, you can follow along on our Twitter at Live for news about episodes and with Tim and I's NASCAR Pick'Em. But until next time, we hope you have a great rest of your weekend. I'm Eddie Kaleighi. And I'm Tim Moore. And this was Sportspeak. Have a good rest of your day.